0: good morning dj and pk it's 97 5 and twelve eighty. the zone it's a football friday for what seems like a very short week i guess when the local nba team gets sold in the middle of the week time starts moving faster i don't know how else to explain it but i can't believe it's friday already but it's friday already we got high school football playoff games today second round winners go to the quarterfinals why am I yelling? I'm fired up! It's a football Friday, people! Okay, it's 6 a.m. It's 2 early in the morning. i got to dial it back. Sorry. I'll dial it back. I'll calm down a little bit. Uh, let's start with some BYU football. The Cougars play Boise State one week from tonight. You know, I was hoping to learn more about Boise State this week when they played Air Force. Uh, but talking to Scotty G about all the issues at Air Force, 40 players opting out. How did they beat Navy? Missing 40 players. Is Navy that bad? Scotty's got very little hope for Air Force's ability to stand under the Boise State, expects the Broncos to run wild, and we learn nothing. We probably know nothing about the Cougars either, because they had to blow out Western Kentucky. Zach Wilson. Wow, Yahoo's got him number 6 in their mock draft. Six! He's the fourth quarterback, sixth player. That's spectacular. So BYU fans, emotionally prepare for a new quarterback next year, because he's going in the draft. We can all debate whether he would stay if he were a second-rounder. But not really if he's a first-rounder. And certainly not if he's in the top 10. <laughs> Matt Leinert would be the last guy who was a top-10 pick who came back that I can think of. And liner quickly washed out, and he slipped from 1 to 10 in the ensuing year, and it was, a, it was a costly decision. So Zach is gone, which means we better enjoy when he speaks to the local media now. Here's Zach Wilson on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: Yeah, Zach, uh, we had Jared Capici on the other day and, and he said as a walk on one of his favorite things about the team is there's really no division between a walk on or a, or a scholarship guy. Is that something the leadership council talked about or is that something that just kind of happened naturally with with the program? Yeah, I think I think it's a natural thing for sure. I know it's something Kalani wants um, on the team, you know. <laughs> I don't think you should ever be treated, you know, differently if you're a walk-on or scholarship guy. You know, I feel like your play and the, and the way you contribute to the team is, is how you're going to get on the field, whether you're paying paying your way or or you got your way paid for. It. And so, um, yeah, I'm happy for that guy. He's uh, he's come a long way.
2: Zach, uh, how have you managed and maybe uh, ma- navigated all the? the national hype and accolades and praise that you've been getting what's describe how that's been for you and how you're navigating this
1: yeah really just using it as confidence you know going into the next week and you know, you don't read into it, you know, too much because it comes as fast as it goes. Right. Uh, we've seen that before. People love you one week and they hate you the next. And so um, we're grateful for where we are as a team. Everyone's contributed and everyone's bought in. And um, our mentality as an offense, defense and special teams is is where it needs to be. And we're going to keep trying to get better every single week. And um, we're excited for the opportunity.
2: And how would you describe your, your BYU experience to this point? I mean, you faced ups and downs Uh, you know, where you had some tough losses last year. I went through some ups and downs as a freshman. Just maybe describe this, this BYU experience thus far for you.
1: Yeah, it's been a, a remarkable uh, roller coaster, I'd say. You know, we had, um, you know, a good ending to a freshman season, and then and then last year, a lot of potential, but but not quite fulfilling what we were capable of doing, and then and then this year, finally just putting it all together. And that's, you know, that's what happens when a team is is building from from the bottom, right? BYU kind of hit rock bottom there, and so, uh, you know, it's been super enjoyable. Uh, it's been a a great time with the guys. You know, I'd say our connection on, as a team is, is better than it's ever been. I think that's a huge part of, of why we're having success. We're, we're all just having fun together out here playing ball.
0: Zach, I wanted to ask what it's like for you to go back and watch your own film because you've spoiled this with so many great throws and great plays that that when one is just slightly off or maybe not at the same standard, it's almost a surprise for those of us watching. What's that like for you when you go back and see maybe one that you're not as happy
1: with? Yeah, you know, it's still frustrating for me. I know I can, um, you know, I personally feel like I can make any throw on the field. And, um, you know, when I do have a throw that's off or, you know, I, I make sure I credit those guys. You know, Isaac Isaac Rex made a great catch last game on a scramble drill and went down and caught a remarkable a remarkable catch. You know, it really wasn't a great throw. Um, I made I made sure to tell him that was a big time a big time catch by him. And um, you know, really, you know, it's it's not sitting there looking at looking at the big plays maybe that I did make, but but watching the ones I could improve on and get better at for the next week. And so, uh, it's really a learning experience every week.
0: I also wanted to ask just a lot of the players on this team. I mean, a lot of the positions rotate, even the offensive line had some rotation. You guys are competitors. You want to be out there on the field as much as you want. What's it like seeing the camaraderie that has to happen for that to work for the by committee and the rotations to,
1: to work out? Yeah. You know, it's always a competition. You earn it in practice. You know, that's, that's always what's so hard about so many so many opinions from outside people is it's like, oh, so-and-so should be here, so-and-so should be here, but you know what, the coaches, the players, we see it all in practice. We battle it out um, the entire year, you know, whether it's in the weight room is where it starts and then it translates to spring ball, fall camp, and, and then in the games. And so uh, this year it's been cool to see um, different positions stepping up and different different guys stepping up in those positions and, and making plays. And uh, it's going to make everyone better on, on, on every asset of the ball.
2: Okay, uh, we'll take a question from Brandon Marcello, and then go to Norma Gonzalez, the Tribune; Jay Drew, the Desert News, and then Matt Monte KSL. Hey,
1: Zach, uh, Coach Grimes was uh, chatting with us earlier, and then I, he was jo- maybe he was joking, maybe it's real. He said you were watching The Bachelorette last night <laughs> when he was breaking down film. I didn't realize you were a fan of The Bachelorette. Yeah, that's a you know that's a. You know, surprisingly, I think a lot more people watch it than they'd, they'd admit. You know, I think a bunch of our coaches watch it. I don't care what they say. I know they watch it. Um, I'm with me and, and my three roommates, two of our main receivers at home watching it, you know. And so there's a whole bunch of guys that watch it. When Grimey texted me, he was he was text, texting me, asking me what film I was watching. And, you know, I thought it'd be funny to give him the response. And I'm actually watching The Bachelorette. And so uh, we come to find out the next day in practice that a lot of, a lot more people watch than he thought. <laughs> He he also said on a more
2: serious note, you know, he's he's been around a Heisman winner before. And obviously, there's a lot of talk about Trevor Lawrence and and Mac Jones and other players. And I know a lot of people might be superstitious even to to discuss it. But how do you think you
1: compare to those type of quarterbacks and what makes you different? Yeah, it's hard to say. I try not to compare myself. You know, I try to to focus on myself and things that I can improve. You know, those are those are great players. And they're all different in, in different aspects. They all got, you know, different teams, different receivers, different competition. And so, you know, there's really nothing I could say that I, I do better or separate myself differently than them. You know, I really think that it kind of just – If it's something that that people like on film, that that they feel like I I have an edge maybe or or something like that that they see on film, you know, that's really all it is. But, um, you know, I really try not to compare myself to other people.
3: Zach, I know you've already kind of talked about your relationship with Dax Milne, but what else can you tell me about him? How much that relationship means to you and just how that helps you guys both on and off the field?
1: Yeah, you know, it's not even just with Dax. You know, I love that guy and I hang out with him. You know, Dax was the guy watching The Bachelorette with me last night. And so um, it was me, Braden and Braden Cosper and, and Dax Millen sitting on the couch uh, hanging out. And, you know, it's the relationship with all of those guys. You know, it's, you know, me and Gunner, and um, in our neighborhood, we got – you know, majority of the guys on the team living with us, whether it's Mason Way, Carter, Carter Wheat lives right across the street. Same with Isaac Rex, you know, linebackers with Drew Jensen, my brother, uh, right tackle Blake Freeland lives right up the street from me. So really our neighborhood is just, you know, we're full of that connection just because we all live right next to each other. We're all, we're all best friends. We, we love hanging out and doing stuff together.
3: And did you ever think when you started playing against each other at eight years old that you would be playing um, alongside each other and throwing passes to each other
1: at BYU? No, I didn't. I remember the conversation. I was younger and Dax was thinking about coming here and Brayden Cosper was already committed here and I was committed to Boise State and I was trying to get them to decommit. I'm like, you don't want to go to BYU. Like, that's not where you guys want to be. And, you know, and Brayden, I remember Brayden told me, he's like, dude, I promise you, like, wait till you you talk to Coach Kalani and you're going to be here at BYU. And uh, I I guess Kalani talked me into
2: it. My turn, right? Yeah. Uh, Zach, I just want, what do you make of this? You're in the Heisman conversation. And I mean, growing up, did you ever envision that would be happening to you? And just what do you make of all the talk and all the the lists and all that, that you're making?
1: Yeah. You know, it's a dream. It's a blessing for sure. You know, I would say, I would say, honestly, it's a, I always tell the guys on the team this when they bring it up is it's really a team award, right? You know, no one's winning the Heisman if you're losing games. You know, if, if you're not having an O-line that's protecting for you to be able to I mean, shoot, I haven't gotten hit all year. You know, if, if I don't have that time in the pocket, if I don't have receivers going up and high-pointing balls and, you know, coming down with it or a defense making a stop after I, you know, fumble a snap on the 10-yard line and, and they jump on, if I don't have a defense that's stopping those guys on the 10, you know, I wouldn't be in that conversation. So I tell those guys all the time that, you know, it's really a reflection of our season so far as a team. And I think that we have that confidence and swagger. And so um, really it's, it's great to be part of it just because I think it's, I think it's a team award.
2: Were you happen to be watching when they showed during the Georgia uh, Clemson game or the Georgia Alabama game where Trevor Lawrence and you were on the same screen? Were you happen to be yeah, watching then? Yeah, I actually was. I
1: was watching that game. Yeah, that's cool. It popped up. What was your reaction? I was going to say. Um you know, it's, it's kind of just one of those things you'll never get used to, <laughs> you know, you pop up on the TV and you're like, Whoa, that's weird. You know, <laughs> why are they showing this in the Georgia Clemson game or, um, you know, so it's cool. Zach, what's um, what's an, an, an aspect of your game an area of your game that, that you've been pleased with up to this point and maybe along those lines, uh, an area of your game that you're still actively working to improve. Yeah, I'd say our, our ability to land big shots this year and and have a high completion percentage doing it. You know, I'd say that's a that that is that is what separates a team to be a high scoring team, a high scoring offense is the ability to have explosive plays and then hit them at a high rate. And so, you know, that's something I've been pleased with this year. And and again, that's that's not me. You know, you gotta have time, let guys getting down the field and and our receivers have done a remarkable job at making plays this year. And so um, you know, the explosive plays Yards per attempt um, is something I've been super happy with. Um, something I want to work on is, um, you know, maybe a little better accuracy on my, my underneath throws, the ones that you get rushed on sometimes, just a little bit better placement, giving my guys the ability to run a little bit more out of a, out of a catch, give them a, a catchable ball so that they can, they can go and get yards off of. Along those lines, why do you think the offense has been uh, remarkably better at, at cashing in in the red zone this year? Uh, It was a huge focus since day one. You know, we focused a lot on red zone or on third downs last year. Um, We made that improvement. And then this year, you know, I wanted to say that, that last year we were 31 of 60 as far as scoring. And, you know, that, that, that's just not good enough. You know, we were, we were one of the top teams in the country as far as getting into the red zone. And it means nothing if you don't score. So that, that's always been a huge push for us. I remember even times in the offseason where it's me and the receivers throwing routes and normally, you know, you go wherever on the field. But there was times where it's like, hey, we, we got to work on scoring. Let's go in the red zone. Let's work on uh, completing balls inside the 20. And let's, let's get good at it because that's what we need to get better at this year.
2: Hey, we'll take a question from uh, Mitch Harper, KSL. Yeah, Zach, uh, I've seen, you know, during your BYU career, you've worn a, like a bracelet that says prove them wrong. Uh, why does that slogan or mantra kind of mean, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, you know, my whole life, I feel like I've always come from the bottom. Of, I've, I've never been the guy that's had so many scholarship offers or was known as the big time high school uh, recruit or even when I first got into high school, you know, I was the fourth string quarterback my sophomore year at Corner Canyon. And so you know, it's kind of a motto I've kind of lived by my whole life. You know, I came here to BYU and no one expected me to play. And we had so many other quarterbacks in front of me and, you know, I got injured. No one expected me to come back from it. And so it's kind of, you know, it's not ever directed at one person. You know, it's kind of a mentality that I have that, you know, you know, if, if people are gonna doubt you, I'm gonna use that as fire to, you know, fuel my fire and uh, you know, prove everybody wrong and, and show people that I, I am capable of being able to fight through adversity and come back from things.
2: And do you feel like this you and this BYU team are are proving maybe the doubters wrong to this point and what more are you trying to accomplish?
1: Yeah, you know, I'd say we're on that path. I'd say we're not there yet, but we're heading in the right direction.
2: There's
0: Zach Wilson. All right, DJ and PK, we're gonna take a break. When we come back. He knows him. He's played basketball with him. He's got insight into the new Jazz owner, Ryan Smith. He used to play at BYU. You know Travis Hansen, and Travis Hansen knows Ryan Smith, and we're going to hear from Travis next. Stay with us.
4: Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Travis Hansen used to play basketball at BYU. Now he's in business down in Utah County, and he's friends with another guy in business in Utah County, Ryan Smith, who's buying the Utah Jazz. What does Travis know about Ryan? We had him on during yesterday's show. You may hear references to press conference yesterday. Now, obviously, it was two days ago. But nonetheless, just a little insight into who Ryan Smith is and how he, uh, where he might take the team, what direction this might go, and at what clip. Here's Travis Hansen with PK and I. Travis, good morning.
3: Good morning, DJ. How we doing this morning?
0: We're doing well. You better say hi to PK or you're going to have a problem.
3: Oh, man. (laughs) PK's here. What's up, PK?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why do I feel like that was all done on purpose to get a reaction? Because it was all done on purpose to get a reaction. Well, Travis, we wanted to have you on because we heard that you suddenly have an excellent hookup to get really good seats to Jazz games. Is that true? (laughs) You know man uh
3: it's hard to say goodbye to the millers you know i think i think they were ready to leave and after 35 years of stewardship turn it over um to ryan and ashley and and but i don't know if you know you and pk me and the fans and jazz nation were ready to say goodbye yet uh larry and gail and steve stark and everybody did such a good great job and and you know we appreciate them, appreciate all all they accomplished, and kept the Jazz in, in Utah for all these years. But yeah, uh, I, Ryan might be able to hook us up with some with some tickets. Uh, he, he's you know I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone that likes to win more than Ryan Smith. He, he's competitive. He's he's tough. He's smart. He, he just has all the skills to be successful. I you know automatically I was thinking about all the owners in the NBA. You know, and obviously you've had Peter Holt and Mark Cuban and, and Mickey Harrison and Man, I, I, I think Ryan might be might be top five NBA owners. He hasn't even done anything. I mean, you look at you look at the total package and how much he loves basketball and cares about it. and His skill set he has Ashley there to to keep him humbled and keep him down to earth. I I think I think we're all going to be very very excited and thankful that that he uh, actually took this over and and that Gale was ready to, to pass on the key to to them and see what they can do with it.
5: Now, we know that you've known Ryan Smith for a good number of years. Uh, we've known him a little bit, not much. I've had a few conversations with him from time to time. We've had him on the air, and you speak of his wife. I know absolutely nothing about this lady, and you say that he has her to keep him humble and down-to-earth what exactly does that mean as far as how it's going to relate to his ownership of the Jazz?
3: You know, I think everyone in life, um, especially in key positions, and when you have all that stress and pressure on you, and, and you know, sometimes you're trying to make everybody happy, and um, it's, it's just important to have, you know, someone. And, and to, for me, it's been my wife she's my ultimate psychiatrist my support my number one cheerleader you know she i come home from work and it's tough and i don't know exactly what decisions to make and and, you know there's good great and and the best and it's hard to decipher which decision you should make and it's always nice to have someone that doesn't add stress to your life that can help you talk through things that's mature and wise and and then really sometimes just says you'll figure it out don't worry you know we're here we got this ashley's like that ashley's super mature um she runs her own dance studio she's been successful on her own um she's a great mom you know we spent my wife and i we went with mark pope and his wife leanne and brian santiago and kim and then ryan and ashley and it was the the four four of us or four couples and And, uh, we went to Italy for 10 days together and, you know, it was a blast. Ryan rented Vespas and we acted like we're all 18 years old again and, and in love and drove around Italy and, uh, went out to eat every night and, and took the, took the wrong road sometimes. And it was just, it was just a blast. And so Ryan and Ashley, they're fun. Uh, they're natural leaders. They're the total package. But they also, you know, have each other, and that's really important to balance each other out. And because this is going to be an adventure, this is a journey, and he's you know, never done this before, and and uh, so it, it, there'll be some learnings along the way. But it, you know, I'm just like with Mark Pope, I think Leanne Pope it was, is the best, you know, coach's wife you could have. She she grew up in a coach's family. Lynn Archibald was her dad. He, she saw it at the dinner table. She saw recruiting, what life was like at players. and and Ashley's a lot like that. Ashley's going to be one of the best NBA owners' wives. I mean, she, if not the best, she's, she's perfect for Ryan. And, and Ryan might be the best NBA owner, honestly. He, there's no one that wants to win more than him. He's young. He's got the energy. He's smart. He knows how to surround himself with great people. And, uh, and he likes sitting in front row. You know, he likes being with the players. He, and he's a pretty, pretty dang good basketball player himself. So it's, I think it's the perfect combination.
0: So it can be really hard to be in the spotlight sometime and the celebrity that comes with that. And you're on social media and you played and got heckled by fans. You've probably got hilarious stories about that. Are they ready by media? (laughs) Right. Uh, Do you think they really know what they're getting into as far as the downside of being as public as they're about to be? Because I got to admit, I I don't know anything about Ashley. The only thing I know about Ryan is having him on on the show a couple times um, you know, for a couple segments on the phone, right? So it's very limited interaction. But she was so excited, which is great. That's the positive and the upside of having local owners, and you could tell Right from the get go, they're going to be emotionally invested. So that's a huge positive. But also, man, when you just, the, the letters the Jazz get, <laughs> the stuff you see on social media, um, you know, a trade, a free agent, whatever the story is, uh, who's hired, who's fired, who's traded. I mean, it just, it can be a real negative being in the spotlight sometime. And do you think they're ready for that? Because when it happens, it's a total downer
3: yeah it's, that's a great point. Um, you know you never know until you, you throw yourself in the fire. I mean, I think he's had it m- maybe to a much lower scale, but running a business is tough. Running a business sucks. It looks a lot sexier on the outside than it is on the inside. I got four of them, and you got, we got 120 employees. He's got you know five or ten thousand employees and and you're recruiting constantly which he's an amazing recruiter it's what you to spend a lot of time as a CEO. You know, a CEO does probably four things. Um, you know, you got vision strategy, uh, build great teams and you got to do big deals. And I, I think Ryan's great at that. I think he'll bring a vision to the jazz a strategy of, of, how to win and how to put together the right teams and the right staff and exec team. Um, he's, uh, one heck of a recruiter, so I think he can build a great team. I think I think we'll bring in people that we haven't been able to bring into to a mid market team and, and to Utah. He, he talks about Utah how much it's how much he loves it and, and uh, how how wonderful it is to live here. And as a billionaire, you can live wherever you want. He chooses to live here, um, and and then you know I think he's the type of guy that can do big deals. So when he has employees complaining or someone you know someone's family member. You know, is upset because they didn't get a pay raise, and and they, they, you know, saying they're going to go to Microsoft or Amazon and not not come to Qualtrics. I mean, he's dealt with all the emotional rides um, throughout his career already. This will be on a bigger scale; it'll be more public. But uh, I think yeah, I think he'll just he'll be fine. He'll he'll have some days where he he'll think, "Why did I do this?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I think uh, you know, after a couple wins. and that, that stuff goes away, but I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, honestly, uh, there's no one that likes to win more than him. I, honestly, my whole career, uh, you know, I thought Pablo Prigioni or Luis Scola, uh, some of these guys, you know, Terry Stotts, uh, our coach in the Atlanta Hawks, who's now with Portland, and those guys love to win. I think Ryan loves to win more, and I think he'll bring the energy. And I'm I'm just excited he chose to take it on, you know, as a as a guy he could he could have done. You know, honestly, anything he wanted to do. Um, and he chose to lead Jazz Nation and see if we can build an NBA championship team, and, and that takes a lot of effort and a lot of guts, and obviously he put a big dent in his bank account, so he, he, he put his money where his mouth is, so uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Absolutely.
5: What do you think as far as change? Because I know people are, uh, I don't want to say nervous, maybe on edge, a little apprehensive, because when you have... we what the Millers have done for 35 years now we're going to see what Ryan Smith and his wife do going forward so there may be some change inevitably there probably is going to be how about that, your thoughts on that yeah I think change is good you know if you have the right
3: leadership you know for so many of us it's so hard to lead from the bottom up and so so when the, a leader does come in you do get nervous you know I was a the Atlanta Hawks my first rookie year just got drafted with Boris Diaw, and we had you know Jason Terry Sharif Abdul Rahim and we had a pretty good team Terry Stotts was a great coach but Ted Turner sold it to a local group and you know most NBA teams are owned by 10, 20 25 people you know, it's pretty amazing You know Utah Jazz have been owned by the Miller family basically and, and now the Smiths and that's, that's not typical at all and so we had, in Atlanta, a ton of voices. You know, we probably had, you know, 10 or 12 people that owned it, and they all had opinions, and that that makes it even tougher. So to have only Ryan and Ashley be the voice, I mean, I think it's a great thing. Number one, uh, things will get done. They'll get done quicker. They'll be more decisive. Um, if it was me taking over, I think Ryan and I are, are a lot alike. I think Mark Pope and I are a lot alike. You don't make too many big decisions at the beginning. You sit and you learn, and you you sit in a ton of meetings, and and you tell you ask everyone else, you know, what would you do, and what would you do differently, and if you were me, what would you do? And um, I think he's humble enough to know that he doesn't know what he's doing, and that he'll ask a ton of questions and learn, and then you know, methodically with with intelligence. You know, start start making decisions and start making a few changes here and there, um, but I I expect not very many changes to be made up front and, until he starts to feel that it's it's the right way to go.
0: You're going to be advising him aren't you? You're going to be whispering him in your ear. We're going to see Travis Hansen's fingerprints all over this. No, I hope so,
5: <laughs> Travis Hansen's a winner. Uh, I can tell you that much.
0: <laughs> I
3: you're nice. I I will be cheering him on and Ashley, and we'll. We'll uh, take them down to Lake Powell, and we'll be their friends. That you know, when they're all stressed out and you know have a losing season, we can we can all go to Spain or Italy and talk about everything other than basketball and, and joke around. They're they're good people, and when you get you get in those public scenarios, whether it's business or sports, it, your circle gets smaller. Sadly, you know you just kind of don't know who to trust. You don't know who, who you sh- who should be, be around. What you can say. And it'll it'll even get tighter for him like that, and and so it's important to have good people around him and good people that he can still be himself and joke around with, and and uh, but you know I, I I don't know top of my head more than a couple people that would be better NBA owners. Uh, they they sit at every home game already. They, they they're on the front row. They. They leave their, yeah. you know, four kids with a babysitter, and and they go to every game. They they love it. Don't you want an owner that loves it? Don't you want an owner that actually plays the game? You know, I I'm in Atlanta, and I got an owner that is traveling down to South America for work, and I don't know if he's ever touched a basketball. <laughs> you know, I had owners, and even in Europe, that you know, were just in it for the money or the fame or. Ryan loves this game he loves basketball he plays it I swear once or twice a morning at the at the Center of the Annex uh, a few years ago we, we would play at least once or twice a week and the dude can play you know he's smart he understands the game I don't think he I think I don't think there's a game he loves more I, I think he's had a heck of a golfer but, uh, but I mean this is, a, this is a pretty cool scenario for Jazz nation in Utah that, that the Millers got what they wanted they don't want the jazz to leave Utah and they would they would never turn it over to anybody that would take it away uh, from this state and they found it with Ryan and Ashley you know they love utah even uh, just just on the scale of the millers or even more they're they're never going to you know let it leave utah and, and they're going to be great owners and and they have the energy they're young they have um, you know dreams and visions and they're great with the players it'll be fun to see who they can recruit and how they can put teams together and you know, you guys know building a great team and championship teams is a lot more art than science. So, I'm excited just to help in any way I can and cheer them on, and and uh, and hope that PK and DJ um, get promoted to GM assistant
5: co-GM
0: uh oh I wonder <laughs> yeah. why you were I talking you about said, losing I you said you
5: wanted to win se- yeah I,
0: I wonder why you were talking about losing seasons all of a sudden I see where you're angling there after DJ and PK botched the roster
5: Do I, I may it, be it, able to it, hit it. some ground balls with some bees guys DJ P- and
3: <laughs> <laughs> PK let's put David James 60% in charge PK 40 I think we'll be okay
5: Okay Uh, My first advice to Ryan Smith is don't do that Um, We've seen You know, he's been on the front row And I've seen him, I know he sits just uh, Down a little bit from Coach Quinn Snyder and, And he seems to be mellow During the games and all How do you think it's going to be when it's your team Your product, your money And there's a call that goes against you Or whatever might happen Because we've seen some owners They get a little bit too emotional Because they want to win so bad
3: yeah, it, come, it comes with experience. I still have a hard time controlling myself against refs. I coach a seventh grade AAU team, and and ninety nine percent of the time, you know, the other coach acts like a moron, or fans, or the refs terrible. You know, we had refs that wouldn't even make it to half court. They just stood at the other end because they were having a rough day, or didn't 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 want to run down, and and so I even have a hard time. I'm forty two. I've played in thousands of games. I've Coats now, too many games with these kids, and I still get pumped up. <laughs> I still get mad at, at certain scenarios, and so I think that's good. I think passion is good as long as it can be controlled, and as long as you have some discipline. and And I think he'll have the passion. Hopefully, he just doesn't run out, run out onto the court and, and uh, yell at someone in their face or get a technical. But I think he'll be fine. I mean, that's what that's what sports brings the whole community together. We all love it. We love to win. We're still, all of us, trying to learn how to lose with grace. And uh, and when things don't go our way, it gets frustrating. And I think that's, that's what makes life great.
0: So you've kind of alluded to it already here, uh, and I read it in several of the profiles, and I'm sure lots of people reading online, you know, for exercise he plays basketball a couple mornings a week. Uh, what... Uh, did you ever talk to him about owning the Jazz? Was this something that you, I mean, you kind of knew he'd like to, or did you talk specifically about it? Has this been on his radar for a while? When, yeah, when, when you're yeah. playing games in the morning, you got a little time to kill before you start the next game. I mean, he's been
3: so heads down with Qualtrics and the sale of that, and and now you know with SAP, you know, trying to take it public. And, um, but yeah you know, he, he mostly has been talking about my business, you know, he's, he's super helpful. He says, you know, how's, how's Eddie going? And we have an HR payroll company and, and, uh, it's a SAS play and he's been telling us, you know, helping me with sales and marketing and, you know, how's that working out and who do you have and how's your engineers and who's the front end and back end. And, uh, so he, he's honestly, most of our conversations he's been, he's been trying to help me with my business. Um, he, you know, he, he did talk, I have some in-depth conversations with the Phoenix Suns you know Robert Sarver has you know how many, how many other owners and I know he told Ryan that for you know 100 million you can come in and own you know 10 percent and Ryan said what's what's 10 percent get me he said well you know I'll get you some front row t- tickets and they all well, kind of what can I come to practices well it depends on who you bring so well can I can I can I you know travel with a team or so? No, I mean, maybe. So I was like, what? So 100 million gives me nothing? I mean, so I think he's always been interested in uh, being involved in sports, especially the NBA, and I I think he looked at a couple different options, uh, Phoenix Suns being one of them. And uh, I I think COVID-19 or whatever uh, changed the irreversible minds of the Millers I mean, what an awesome opportunity! I think Brian was going to continue to be persistent and continue to remind Gail that he's alive and willing and has the money to do so. And if she ever changed her mind, and you know, he must have just, you know, got her at a certain, time, a great, a good time where she was, she felt like in her heart it was ready, and um, and and was able to take it over. Which you got to give him credit. I mean, the guy is a worker. He's persistent. He goes after what he wants, and. And uh, I really don't believe there'll be anyone that does it better. Uh, it'll be it'll be super fun, and it's really really exciting to see what changes he does uh, not only to the staff and executive team, but marketing wise. Uh, I think he's an incredible marketer. I think he'll bring the community together. I think he'll be passionate all the games, so, um, and I think they'll win. I think they'll find uh, ways to bring in the right players and and spend the money to win. And that's what that's what. You know, all all of our common goal is we want the Jazz to win. We want them to bring the NBA championship. It's a lot funner when you're winning.
5: Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm being told that you've played against Joe Ingles. We're going to have him coming up. Hey, so you you've dunked on Joe Ingles' face?
3: Oh yeah, Joe. Many times, no, Joe. <laughs> Joe, I think I I think I was with Real Madrid, and I. I had back surgery the year he went to Barcelona. And so we would have played against each other when he was in Barca and I was with Ala Madrid. So I, I missed him by one year. Um, but Joe's a stud, man. Great player. He's, he's been doing great. I'm happy to see, see all his success.
0: All right. Well, he's bound to trash talk you, so stay tuned for that next, okay? <laughs> he's he's going to be in um, no-mercy-take-no-prisoners take mode. I'm used to it. I'm
3: used to it. I think every every alpha personality I played with was a trash talker. It was fun.
0: <laughs> well, Travis, we appreciate the time. And, you know, if you can hook us up with those awesome tickets, uh, we're all about it.
3: <laughs> uh, anything for you guys. DJ PK, you're my people. We, we, Utah, we all love you, too. We appreciate all you guys do for us. We love listening to you. Thanks, Travis. See you guys.
0: There's former BYU basketball player Travis Hansen who knows Ryan Smith well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Joe Ingles, the man, the myth, the legend. Stay with us. Take
4: the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We don't usually talk with Joe Ingles uh, in the offseason. Joe needs his downtime. He needs to be away from us us media clowns. But he did want to check in yesterday uh, with the news breaking the day before that the Jazz are being sold. So, Joe joined us about 8.30, but for you early risers, here is Joe Ingles talking about the Miller family's legacy and looking ahead to next season on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
4: And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jet. The
0: jingle bells.
4: Joe Ingles.
0: Find Gives it back
2: to Joe till the cop slams it in.
4: And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction.
2: Found this.
4: This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network.
0: Joe Ingles, good morning. Good morning. How are you on this fine October day?
6: Good. Just dropped my uh, daughter at school, and I'm uh, heading to the facility to go and work out.
0: All right. There it is. People love that. Already focused on the next season. They love that. So I think everyone is curious. How does an NBA player find out that his team has been sold? How did that work? (laughs)
6: <laughs> um, well, obviously a new experience for, for all of us here with, with the Millers um, having it for, for 35 years but um, I was uh, kind of like coach a little bit uh, probably got a little bit of an insight before it went public but um, yeah, I just yeah, get a call or a text I think it was a call and um, I think the first thing was a bit of shock, I guess. Just um, you just I don't know, you just never, and obviously getting to know the, the Miller family over the last six years and um, the love and passion and dedication and everything that they had put into to this team and, and the state of Utah and everything to, to keep it here and, and everything going back to 1985. Um, yeah, just never. I guess there was never a phone call or. Um, conversation. I thought I would be having. I just thought I'd always play for the Miller family and um, obviously very glad that they are still involved um, to, to a certain um, percent or whatever. But, um, yeah, just a bit of shock. And then um, you kind of talk about it throughout the day and um, obviously it was pretty confidential. I think they did a really good job of, of keeping it pretty quiet until the basically until right before, I think. Um, so just sitting there kind of talking to Renee, and um, yeah, that was about it. So it was, yeah, a bit of shock, but obviously um, exciting times ahead as well with Brian with and, and Ashley.
5: So Gail Miller was more than a boss to you, wasn't she?
6: She really was. Um, I'm not going to give the cliche of like a, a mother figure or anything like that, but she, from the, from the moment I got here and w- was on a non-guaranteed and um, – she spoke to me and treated me like I was a max player. Like it was, there was no difference on how she spoke to to me or, or anyone else um, compared to, to how she would speak to anyone else on the team. There was no, there was no difference. Um, there was no, um, not favoritism because that's not even the right word to put in the same sentence as, as Gail or the Miller family. But there was just everyone was treated the same, and um, from from top to bottom, and. Yeah, I mean, I, I got welcomed in, um, like I said, on a non-guaranteed and, and obviously very lucky to, to kind of go to where it's gone now. But I, I think the thing that will always stick pretty close to me, and it, I mean, it makes me get a bit emotional saying it and talking about it, but was, was the autism stuff um, and how committed they were um, in terms of Gail and the, the Miller family and... Um, I don't want to get the number wrong and uh, I think she donated like 1.2 million or something that night which which is pretty incredible Um, so yeah uh, obviously a lot more than just an owner um, kind of that. I think a lot of owners too and that like Travis was was kind of just saying um, before me like it's Ryan will be the same. Like he, he's going to be more than just an owner. I think he, he's going to kind of open his arms to, to everyone in the team and within the organization and, and within Utah. So, um, yeah, very, very, very lucky. Uh, I think for, from my point of view to, to be able to come to Utah. And I mean, I wanted to play. <laughs> I wanted to play one year with the Jazz, and um, I'm about to, at the end of my deal, play eight or whatever it is. So. Um, yeah, very, very thankful to them and what they've done. Um, not only for, for for me and my family, but um, for all of Utah. Like I said back in '85, buying uh, that first half of the team and, and keeping it here in Utah, and, and then to build it to what they've built it to. Um, obviously, with those those championship runs a bit earlier before me, but then you lose a couple of those guys and you kind of back um, back at square one a little bit and, and to build it obviously to now what we've got with with Quinn and the staff and the, the organization. And, um, they've, they've left it in um, a pretty amazing spot for, for Ryan to take over now and, and, and kind of put, put his touch on it, I guess.
0: You never know uh, completely uh, what you're signing up for. In this case, when you buy a team. But, you know, there are other things in life. You, you know, you take a job. Uh, you get married, uh, you, you know. You join whatever group. You you never really know what you're getting. The, there are wild cards out there. Um, talk a little bit about how you saw Gail handle some of the issues. You know, with the issue with the fan going after Westbrook. I think as an NBA owner, that's not really what you signed up for. And yet, you're in the chair. You got to handle it. And what was she like in 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 that moment? I
6: mean, she was pretty. It was pretty special. I think I. I mean, all the, it's funny you say, like, Gail handling this and then the Miller family, but for a lot of players too, like, I mean, I was never, this, this was a lot of first, firsts uh, for me as well. Like, I'd never been um, in a situation where you, you're sitting in the locker room and the owner comes and talks to you about a situation like that um, and, and how they're going to handle it and deal with it. And then they, um, it's obviously something they want to completely stamp out of sport and, um, and be kind of a driving force and a, and a leader in um, in trying to help that. Um, so it was something that that obviously Gail and, and her family were probably sitting there like like you said you don't like well, they they bought the team to to obviously keep it in Utah and, and to that, the passion and dedication and love that they had for basketball and the Jazz, and for, for Utah and and the people that love the Jazz, um, that's why they bought the team. They they obviously didn't know or, or probably think they would be in some situations like they have been, but they've they've handled them pretty head on. Um, they've they've taken everything kind of in stride and and like I said, try to be a leader and um, driving force behind change or, or whatever the, the specific situation was. Um, I mean, they they spent. I don't know what the number was exactly, but the, the money they spent on the facility recently to, to to give us the best chance to sign free agents to to want to go. Like, I mean, you guys have been there. Like, it's it's such a pleasure to to go to the facility every day. Like, and not that it wasn't before when it was not renovated. But I mean, I was a first year player. I was happy to go. Any, I would have gone to any gym to play with an NBA team. But. To, to go there every day now what they've built and the money and time and effort and like I said love and passion and all that it's um, I mean it was second to none I, I think and, and like like Travis said it's it's getting passed on from one pretty amazing family to, to another amazing family so um, Ryan's been involved with, with the jersey patch and fight for the fight and um, obviously now uh, I know knowing Ryan that, that he's wanted this for, for a long time and um, when the opportunity came up, there was there was no way he was going to kind of let it go to anyone else. He he was going to buy the team, um, kind of no matter what. I, I believe.
5: So how important is that for a player? Because we've spoken about when what guys want, what they look for. You know, they look for money, they look for playing time, they look for stability, ownership, management, all that stuff. And it seems like, at least from our perspective, that this transition is going to go from one Utah family to another. So you're going to have that. And so the message to the players then is going to be sent. I would think, hey, we're going to continue, and we're going to even make it better.
6: Yeah, I and I think I think that's what Ryan, in in his mind, taking over. Was, it's it's nothing against the Millers or what they built. I, I think what the, the Miller family has done has been been unbelievable. And you, you get a new owner, there's obviously going to be a little bit of change. And, and Ryan wants to put we want to put his touch on it. And um, I think no matter what situation you're in, when a new job or you're, you you get promoted or I mean, we're building a house right now. Like, it's ours. We're going to do it how we want to do it. And this team now is is Ryan and his families, and um, they're going to they're going to kind of build the Jazz. Um, Obviously, like Ryan said yesterday, there's some things that um, the the Miller family has done that is never going to go away from the Jazz. They're always going to be a part of the Jazz. Some of the stuff they've done and and what they stand for is is always going to be a part of the Jazz. I think the players that have have played for the Miller family for an extended period um, are always going to think about that when you run out there. You're going to think about what what Larry did and and the family did to to keep it here. Um, Like I I tweeted out yesterday a little bit, that they risk risk everything to to keep the team here um, by putting themselves in um, some pretty uh, probably scary times. So Um, uh, the Miller family is is, I mean the Jazz will never be mentioned without the Miller family I don't think but yeah it's it's also you you flip that coin and it's a really exciting time for for Ryan and his family and um, like I said I I think definitely Ryan will will put his touch on it there'll be um, when you're in the position he's in, um, in his life and and his job and and career and that. Um, You want to have people that that you trust around and and not saying that anyone in the Jazz is is untrustworthy, but um, you want to have your own people around that you're comfortable and familiar with. So um, I think inevitably there's there's always a bit of change, but um, I think the the, the Miller family was extremely happy to pass it down to Brian because they knew... A lot of their values and what they had, had done over 35 years will stick with the Jazz forever, and Brian will continue to, to, to bring that along.
0: Joe Ingles joining us here, a rare off-season visit, and you mentioned that you're going to the facility to work out, which brings up the question, when might this season start? Do you have any insight for Jazz fans who would like to watch a game, if they might be watching a game in late December or not until uh, mid-January or maybe even longer than that? Do you have any feel for where this is going? Uh,
6: I wish I did so I could uh, figure out my kind of training schedule a little bit better but no the, I mean the last thing we heard which was the same as everybody else was um, the December 22 which um, would you know if that, if that is when it's going to start then you obviously got a few weeks forward for for training camp um, I think that whatever the drafts coming up here in a few weeks and then we'd have to get free agency tucked in there right behind kind of the draft and then and then, obviously um, and, and given the, the shorter time period if it was to start then you um, would probably want a little bit more time training camp just to, to kind of ease into it and, and get guys right so um, I spoke with when, when that report came out I think it was Woj or whoever it was Mark Stein or whoever um, I spoke to, to the Jazz guys that obviously like you said I'm, I'm here anyway and um, so, yeah, put, put a bit of a plan together. So, for, for me, in my mind, I'm going to aim for like an early December training camp and, and prepare and get myself um, kind of 100% for those dates somewhere in that early December. And, I mean, if it doesn't, if it gets pushed back or, or whatever, it's obviously no, I don't think it's, it's going to be anywhere near earlier than that. I think that's safe to say. but um, if it did happen to get pushed back, then I'll, I'll just kind of adjust it at that time. So, yeah, I'm going kind of all in for early December and we um, will adjust accordingly um, if I need to.
5: So usually what happens is guys start getting into town around Labor Day and you start having the informal workouts and then camp opens. Whenever that I don't is, know when Mother Labor Day is.
6: Day is. I'm Australian.
5: Okay. <laughs> Early <laughs> September. September. <laughs> okay. First Monday in September. <laughs> so you guys start playing. Will that happen like the preceding month, whenever the season and training camp does start?
6: Yeah, I mean, I – I, I guess it's hard to answer because we, we don't have a, a time frame, but um, we've always been pretty good with the Jazz and lucky with the Jazz with the, the players we've had. That we've, um, guys have either got together, if there's a bunch of them in LA or New York or wherever guys kind of um, are living for the offseason, um, but like, you know, you've seen with your, your own eyes, uh, we, we're pretty lucky to have guys come to Utah pretty early too and, and kind of get ready. So, um, obviously Quinn will, will kind of address that and, and what he thinks is best for us from talking with our medical guys of, of, of what, what, what would be best, the best way to kind of approach it and, and tackle it. I, I don't think, um we're going to see guys come in the next couple of weeks. Um, I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, I I would enjoy it because I'm here by myself. Um, I think I'm the only guy uh, in Utah. So um, guys, guys always, like I said, are are pretty good. They, they come in and out. They've, they've come back and forth. Usually obviously COVID kind of throws a spanner in that a little bit because of traveling and all that, you want to kind of stay as, um, as kind of stable and, and central as you can. So, for me, it's like I said. I've, I've been here the whole time, and I don't really go anywhere except my house and the facility. And um, yeah, just try and keep, obviously, my, my family and Renee safe as, as possible. I think with what's going on and the cases, I think we're. Well, I think this morning was like fifteen hundred on the two-week average or whatever it was. So um, it's obviously still pretty bad here. So um, yeah, just try to stay as, as safe as possible and, and obviously do what I need to do to, to get ready as well.
0: Well, Joe, we uh, appreciate a few of the valuable minutes in the middle of your offseason. Thanks for checking in with us.
6: No worries. I just want to, yeah, again, obviously thank, thank a huge thank you. I think on probably behalf of a lot of people, but um, our team and the organization and all that, um, to, to the Miller family for, for what they did, it's, like I said, I was, A pretty immature little kid that came here and just wanted to play a year in the NBA and I'm um, about to have three kids and one of them born in Utah which I never thought would happen Um, (laughs) but yeah I think a lot of people are are very thankful for for what the Miller family has done and like I said Gail and and Larry um, for for originally getting it and then yeah, for what they've done up until um, kind of yesterday I guess so a huge thank you to them
5: you're going to sweet Joe. Your kid is going to be an American. That's
0: right. That's what I was going to say. An American <laughs> citizen, Joe. Yeah, you know, it's crazy because we were we were literally yesterday.
6: Renee called me and was like, "I mean, you throw up every situation, and, and if we're in a bubble again or something, then Renee might go home for a little bit or whatever, and just kind of we we've got to kind of throw out every option and, and deal with it as it comes." And Renee looked at the twins' passports, and when you. First, have a baby, and obviously with my lifestyle, I have to travel a lot. So we got on passports as babies, and we're like, "Oh, we got five years; this will last forever." And now the twins are getting new passports, and <laughs> um, we were we were literally talking about the <laughs> the American passport. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I've actually got to get like." He'll have an American passport first, and then we'll have to apply for Australian citizenship, which is really disappointing to me because I really just want that. But it'll be awesome for, for our son. He'll, he'll obviously have two passports, and um, if he wants to be a, a college athlete or, or something like that, he'll be, um, it'll be very easy for him to get over here. So I'm very sad in saying that, too.
0: A citizen of the world, Joe. That's what you'll be raising.
6: As soon as the American passport runs out, I will not be renewing it, I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) He'll only be known as Australian.
0: Joe, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingalls. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.